Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Sunday morning service at High Kirk here in Stevenson. And if you're a visitor, it's uh, good to see you, and we hope you'll feel at home. And for those listening on the internet or from home or the telephone, uh, welcome. There's so many different ways you can listen to the service now that I'll soon have to have a special list of every, all the different uh, ways. A bit of advance uh, notice the uh, prayer fellowship starting up again on Wednesday the 4th of May, 10.30 uh, through in St Monarch's Isle. And then the stated annual meeting is on Tuesday the 31st of May at 7pm in the church hall. Uh, and as we know there about how you can give uh, to Ukraine. Uh, we obviously still need all our support, both uh, financially and prayerfully. And now I hand over to Scott, and it's good to have him back. Thank you, Scott. Well, we're going to worship together in Charles Wesley's beautiful hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. So let's stand as we worship together.
Well, let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Oh, our Heavenly Father, in such distracting times, oh, how we need your Holy Spirit. We long to be more like Jesus, our beloved. Therefore, draw us this morning that we may know such sweet communion with you. And may we hear your voice in your word and grant us boldness and faith as we approach the place of prayer. Lord, let us hear your mighty voice. Strengthen us as we come away with you into the secret place where we may experience fresh mercy, forgiveness and grace where we may drink from the streams of living waters. Oh, that our souls would be quenched with the power of your resurrection and so empower us, renew and refresh us. Grant us the unction of your Holy Spirit as you send us back to engage a needy world. But Lord, before we return to the places you call us, oh, let us linger in the atmosphere of heaven that we may rest our weary heads upon our comforting Saviour, our gentle and lowly High Priest. Jesus, how we marvel in your presence. Oh, help us to live a life utterly devoted to your name and renown and fulfill in us the destiny for which you call us. And so may your resurrection life flow through this gathering and into the homes of those who are listening and watching this morning. And Lord, as your life flows through us, Oh, may we keep in step with your Holy Spirit. For it is in the powerful name of Jesus we now pray the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we take our Bible reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there from the beginning of the chapter... The first 11 verses. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you've believed in vain. For what I received, I, pass, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was, that was with me. Whether then... It was I or they. This is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, I would like us to turn to our reading there in 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter, his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15. Well, the American Baptist preacher, Alan Carr, he shared how he had read this letter in a Christian magazine. And this was, this was what was written in the magazine. Dear Eutychus, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Well, the reply went, Dear reader, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes nail him to a cross, hang him in the blistering sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours, and see what happens. <laughs> Although we kind of have a nervous laugh, sadly, there are preachers who actually believe this, that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. They say that spiritually he rose from the dead, but not physically. <laughs> I still struggle with even the thought that a preacher would believe that. Because the heart of our faith, the heart of Christianity, all that we believe is founded on the literal resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Listen to what Paul says as he wrote to, to the Philippians. For Paul, the resurrection is everything, absolutely everything. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And again in that very same chapter, he writes, And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. For the Apostle Paul, the resurrection of Christ 
knowing that Jesus was raised on that third day, oh, it brought such excitement, such passion. That's what the church ran on. <laughs> In the, the early church, we, you know, we often look back and we say, how come the church isn't like that anymore? They saw miracles. They saw the power of God in wonderful ways. They, they saw souls, 3,000 souls coming to know Jesus in one day. The day of Pentecost, where communities felt the presence of God. How we need to see again the resurrection power of Christ. And that was Paul's prayers. That was Paul's desire. It was his passion. It was the passion of the early church. They went about preaching the resurrection. And so, why is the doctrine of the resurrection so important? Because notice what Paul writes here. He said, I want to write to you that which is of first importance. He's telling us this is really important. The doctrine of the resurrection. Jesus did rise according to the scriptures. Don't let anyone tell you any different. And Paul goes on now to share in this chapter. First of all, he shares the necessity of the resurrection. The resurrection is necessary. Why? Because thousands of years ago in the Old Testament, the resurrection was foreshadowed. Do you remember Abraham when he offered up Isaac? Do you remember Jonah there in the belly of the whale? Three days, three nights. And then he came out of that dark place. These Old Testament scriptures foreshadowed the resurrection. It pointed to a day that would come. Jesus died, we're told, for our sins according to the scriptures. According to these Old Testament scriptures, Jesus died for our sins. And then Paul goes on to say, and he was buried and rose again, according to the scriptures. The resurrection is necessary. And Paul tells us, that even Jesus himself predicted the resurrection. In John chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. John chapter 10, I have power to lay my life down and to take it up again. And of course, Matthew's gospel, where we've been studying. There in Matthew 16, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Jesus himself taught that he would be literally resurrected. That he will come alive again after death. He will be raised up. Matthew 17 verse 9. Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Here's Jesus coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, don't tell anyone until I am raised from the dead. 
And there in Matthew chapter 20, they will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Now, that's what Jesus said. And there in Matthew 26 at verse 32, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. According to the scriptures, the resurrection is necessary. And so here Paul wants to remind us of the necessity of the resurrection. It has to happen, Paul says. It has to, because all the scriptures prophesied and predicted and promised. If, if there is no literal resurrection of the Messiah, then our faith is just a waste of time. Paul, yes, he, he writes, reminding us of the necessity of the resurrection. But now Paul goes on to tell us of the certainty of the resurrection. Here Paul writes that Jesus is risen. And he puts it negatively first. He said, well, okay, what if Jesus had not risen? Notice in verse 13. What if Jesus' message, his miracles, and all his promises, what if they're totally untrue? That means his disciples were completely deceived. The Christian church is a complete fraud. And the Christian experience is a complete delusion. And the Christian, according to that logic, is a complete fool. <laughs> now, it's amazing how actually there are people who tell us that's exactly what you are. <laughs> that's what the Christian church is. You're all just idiots. You're all fools. You should be locked up. Therefore... Paul says that if Jesus is not risen, and if, it all, if it's all untrue, therefore, he goes on to say, therefore, Christians ought to be the most miserable people in the world. Because if this is all untrue, that means there's no hope. Remember? When you die, even if you die as a teenager, a 30-year-old, if you're in your 90s, at the end of the day, death has the victory. All you do is go to dust. That's it, all over. Even if you're a child, dare I say it. There are some who believe that that's fair enough. Okay, a child dies in young days. And that's it, their life is over. How miserable to think that that's life. Whatever life you're given, that's it. Once you die, it's all over. That tells me that death is always going to be the victor. Doesn't matter how old you are, death is always the victor. He'll wave his flag. Oh, I've got you too. And see, when we begin to f believe that death is the end, then there really is no hope because you, you've got no answer to people's death, whether they're young or old. It seems so meaningless. Why would a baby exist for one week? 
Does that not seem so pointless, so heartless? I know some of us here today, we know what it is to lose a child. And if someone wants to tell me, Scott, that's it. (laughs) There's nothing more. Death is the end. But Paul tells us, and I believe it with all my heart, no, death does not have the victory one bit. Death is not the end. Jesus, we're told, because of the resurrection, conquered death. It's Jesus who's won, not death. If we don't, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then okay, there's no hope. There's no meaning and purpose to life one bit. Does it matter what you do in life? Because at the end, we all get the same goal. What about Hitler? He can do whatever he likes. At the end of the day, he will die too. Putin, any leader who can become so vicious, they can still do whatever they like and die. Death is the default position for us all. What fairness, what justice is that? It seems pointless, meaningless. Everything just, it seems so hopeless, doesn't it? There's no hope, there's no faith. And the other thing is, there's no forgiveness then. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, Paul says, there's no forgiveness. It means that your sins, you will still remain in your sins. There's no such thing as forgiveness or mercy or grace or love. You will never know your sins forgiven if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Paul says, you you will remain in your sins. There's no future There's no reuniting of loved ones. That's why I love the gospel. The gospel tells me that I'm going to be reunited with loved ones. Those who have put their trust in Christ. I'm going to get to meet so many loved ones. Those who taught us the scriptures. People in our own families who loved the Lord. Who you used to come to church with. You sang together the praises of the King of Kings. Preachers that you remember when you were a wee girl, a wee boy. Ministers that you remember so well that seemed at times so scary. But yet there are things that you still remember of the sermons, of things they said, of things they did. We're told that the Bible tells us that there's going to be a great reunion. All who have died in Christ We shall be forever with the Lord and we shall know, oh, what a day. No more tears, no more cancer, no more sickness, no more pain, no more, oh, no more sin. No more sin. No more sad goodbyes. Every tear will be wiped away and we shall be caught up in absolute joy of a risen Savior. But more than that, Paul wants to say, okay, if Christ is not risen, but then he says in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Paul wants to say, it's all right. You don't need to worry. Jesus did rise from the dead. 
what the patriarchs dreamed of, what the prophets wrote about, what Jesus taught and predicted and promised. It's all true. The women, Peter, the disciples, the Jesus' brother James, and more than 500 people met the risen Savior. And what does Paul tell us? That Jesus met more, he met more than 500 people at one point. And Paul wants to tell us, and most of them are still alive. If you want to find out. Now, if someone told me that someone had been raised from the dead in the, in the cemetery here around the High Kirk. Now, one of you may well go down to the chip shop and say to the staff, did you hear what happened at the High Kirk? Someone was raised in the graveyard. Now, guaranteed, the person, the staff there may well go, aye, I'm sure. What if the next day someone else went down to the chip shop and said to the staff, here, have you heard? Well, do you know this? I did actually hear about someone yesterday who came in and said the same thing. And then that person may well go away and, do you know, the staff may well go, oh, that's a bit weird. Maybe both of them are a bit weird. What if 500 people went down to the chip shop and said, you won't believe what we saw. We were there. We're told that more than 500 people saw Jesus. How do you write that off? Paul wants to tell us, or he wrote to the church at the time, he said, look, most of them are still alive. Speak to them. They'll tell you. You might not believe one or two people, but will you believe 500 at least? Paul tells us, oh, Jesus is risen from the dead. And because Jesus is risen because of his literal resurrection, guess what? You now have the guarantee of a saviour. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 4, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of the resurrection, Jesus was declared he is the son of God. He is the promised Messiah. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords and he is alive. And because he's alive, he is a saviour. He can now save you from your sins. If you have sins, if you've mucked up, if you've blundered in life, you can know a saviour today. Because Jesus has been declared because of the resurrection. He's now a glorious saviour. And because of the resurrection, we can come to him. We can know him. We can know all our sins wiped away. Yes, we're guaranteed a saviour because of the resurrection. We're also guaranteed salvation. We can now know forgiveness. Today, you may well be wondering, can God really forgive me all my sins? Can God really 
deal with every single sin I've ever committed? Can it really be forgiven and washed clean? Can I really have a brand new life? Well, you can only have that if Jesus rose. And isn't it great news? He did rise. Therefore, yes. You don't need to worry. Can Jesus forgive my sins? Yes, he can and he will. Can he cleanse my heart? Can he give me a brand new start today? Yes, he can because of the resurrection. Isn't that lovely? You can know mercy. You can know joy. You can know peace again. You can know hope for the future. You can experience victory, a transformed life. A renewed life. You can experience life in all its fullness. You can experience today resurrection life. You can know today eternal life as you turn to the risen Savior. We're guaranteed a salvation. And then in closing, can I just finish with this? Because of the resurrection... We also have a guarantee of sharing in the resurrection. I love what Paul says, that when Jesus was resurrected, we're told that that was only the first fruits. Do you know what the first fruits is? That's at the early part of a harvest. That's the first growth that you see at the beginning of a harvest. It gives you a taste, a sample of what's to come. We're told that there is a day coming when the harvest will be ended. The end of the resurrection harvest is going to come. And guess what? We are going to share in that resurrection. Our bodies will go to the dust. Ashes to ashes. We will go into a grave, our physical bodies, but our spirit goes to be with the Lord at death. That's, that's what the Bible teaches when you die, your body will go into the earth, but your spirit goes to be with the Lord, who you really are. The inner part of you, your spirit, goes to be with the Lord. But then we're told at the harvest, the, at the end of the resurrection harvest, your body, wherever it is, whether it's been cremated or buried in the ground or scattered at sea, wherever it is, we're told that you are going to be gathered up. Now, you're not going to just be put back together. You're going to be glorified. You are going to receive a brand new body, just like Jesus. You are going to look like Jesus. You're going to be just like him. No more sin. No sickness. Your body is going to be brand new. You are going to look so beautiful. And I know you're already thinking, well, Scott, you're already so beautiful. You're going to be amazing on that day then. <laughs> har, har. I thought I'd better throw that one out anyway. Just flattered myself. But on that day, we are all going to be caught up in the likeness of Christ. We're going to receive brand new bodies. Don't worry about if you're losing your hair or going a bit grey or getting a bit wrinkly or getting a bit forgetful. You can't remember where you put your keys. You can't remember if you're going out to church or coming back from church. Don't worry. On that day, we're going to receive brand new bodies. 
perfect bodies. And when you see the resurrection of Jesus, that gives you a taste of what's coming for us. And we're going to share in it. We're told that the dead in Christ shall rise first on that day. When Jesus comes back, people who have died, they will rise first. All the Lord's people who are in graves will rise to be with the Lord. And then we who are alive, if we're still alive when Jesus comes back, we're told we're going to be caught up together with them to be with the Lord forever. And then Jesus is going to make all things new. New heavens, new earth, new bodies. Resurrected bodies for us all. Now that's just what the Bible teaches. And I have to confess this morning, I believe it with all my heart. That's what I look forward to. But can I just say, but it's not just a matter of looking forward to the future. The Bible also tells us that we can know resurrection life right now. We can know the power of the Holy Spirit right now, changing us, transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Today, we can be transformed to be more like Jesus. And that's what the work of the Spirit does. Day by day, the power of that resurrection life changes us to be more like Jesus. There are days you will wake up saying, oh, I don't feel much like Jesus today. I'm certainly not acting like him. But that's when we need to know more of his life flowing through us. And so can I encourage you today? Will you pray, Lord, I know that you are risen. I know that you've been resurrected. You're now sitting at the right hand of the Father and you're praying for me right now. Lord, since you're praying for me, today, can I know resurrection life? Will you cause your life to fill me and overflow out of me so that my life will have meaning and purpose that will touch others? Oh, Lord, let that life flow in me today. Is that your prayer? Well, just as Billy comes to lead us in our intercessory prayer, can I just let you have a quiet time of prayer? Just get with the Lord yourself and you just pray to him that you would know that life in him. Lord, as we bow in your presence, Lord, we thank you that you died and on the third day you rose again. Lord, that our sins might be forgiven and they might, we might have new life. And we thank you too, Lord, for the words of the song we sung earlier that you shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night and we will rise among the saints, our gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. We'll praise the name of the Lord our God. We'll praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. Father, we recognise that we are nothing without you. And Lord, right now as we are bowed in your presence, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And we just pray, Lord, that we'll just open our hearts to receive whatever you have for us, Lord. 
And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will move among us and touch us. Lord, there is nothing that is too difficult for you. We thank you for your love that is unconditional. It's never ending. Lord, we can just reach out and touch you as you pass by. And you can touch us, you could heal us if it's your will. Lord, revive our hearts and our souls, Lord, to be more like you. Lord, we pray for those in our fellowship who can't hear this morning. We pray, Lord, that you will bless them. We pray for those who are watching this service on the internet, Lord, and we ask you to touch them. Lord, for those listening by telephone, move among them. Help us to be your servants, Lord, and to be your representative here on earth. In Stevenson, in Salcoats, Cowinning, Troon, wherever we stay, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Lord, we think of the situations we have in our, our planet just now, Lord, and we particularly think of the Ukraine, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to bless the people there, those who are defending the cities, those who have had to flee from the atrocities that are happening. We ask you to bless them. We ask you to, to bring an end to this terrible war, Lord. Lord, we pray for the Russian people, Lord. We pray that you will touch them and you will open their hearts to see the truth, to see what is really happening. And Lord, we ask you to soften the hard heart of Putin, Lord, that he might know that he might think he's a God, but you are the one true God. Lord, we pray for our own leaders in this country, Lord, and we pray for wisdom and integrity, Lord. We pray that you will move among the members of Parliament, that they might have a renewal of spirit within them, Lord. We continue to pray for the effects of COVID, Lord. We thank you that Scott is recovering from it, Lord. And we pray for Antonia and the, the children, Lord, that they will recover fully too. But we pray for those who have not recovered, Lord, who are suffering from long COVID. And pray that you will provide the, the medical assistance that they require, Lord, that you'll be close to them, Lord. We pray for the meetings, Lord, that are going on this week, Lord. We pray for the discipleship group and for the girls' brigade and for our revival fellowship. We just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be in control 
of each of those gatherings. And we thank you too, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to give our tithes and offerings. Lord, we ask you to take them and to use them for the extension of your kingdom. And we ask all these prayers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm now going to let you keep your seats as we sing. This is one of the hymns that we had a couple of years ago, just before the pandemic. This was one of our hymns of the month where we were learning a hymn. And so I thought we're going to maybe revisit some of these hymns that we were learning at the time. I know we have um, some new members, some new family, and maybe you don't know them. So I'm hoping that over this next wee while we'll get to know some of these newer hymns. So we'll keep our seats and I'll get the band to play or sing the first verse and then the chorus, and then we'll all join in. It's, I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me.
so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Thank you.